Well, once again, uh, good evening, and I welcome you to uh, Calvary Chapel of Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, and right now, as we get set up, we are going to the book of Jude. I titled this uh, to contend for, for the faith, and on the, uh, the Bibles on the, in the pews, it is uh, on page uh, 1872. So let's turn to the book of Jude, and if you go there, it's right before the book of Revelation. So as you turn there, it's, uh, it should be on the left, right in front of the book of Revelation. So Jude is only one chapter, and it's a very powerful and insightful book. Uh, the name of Jude in English means Judas, so you can kind of see why that uh, in our English Bibles, they kind of transferred it over to uh, Jude instead of Judas. But in the Hebrew language, the name uh, Judas uh, actually means praised. So that's, uh, I think, is a pretty cool name. The epistle of Jude was written, some, was written by the brother of James, and which also would make uh, James and, uh, and Jude a half-brother of Jesus. Jude, uh, the book of Jude was written sometime around uh, 68 A.D., so that would be about 35 years after the ascension of Jesus Christ. So that's uh, pretty cool. And we could see that within that 35 years, there have been warnings, there have been books written, Romans, Corinthians, Timothy, Thessalonians, Galatians. All those books, somewhere in those books, have been items that have need to be corrected, either sexual immora immorality, uh, doctrinal errors, either in Galatians, they were trying to be put back under the law. So even in uh, the book of Acts, I think in uh, uh, Acts chapter 26, Paul writes that he was uh, writing uh, to correct an error, that he was warning the church that wolves were rapidly approaching and coming into the church, that apostasy was already in the church. And that's, apostasy is, is falling away from doctrine. And that's one thing that uh, we have to be aware of. That's why we should be coming to church so that we would learn about God's word, so that we could go out and do battle within the, within the world. So here, uh, it's about 35 years after the resurrection of Christ. The book uh, was either written to Jewish or Gentile, uh, believers around the area or in around uh, Antioch. The area was populated by a mixture of both Jewish and Gentile Christians. And here is a, oops, here is a basic outline from verses 1 to 2. We can see that there's a, the greeting or the introduction. Verses 3 and 4, the purpose of the epistle and uh, also the warning. In, verse, in uh, verses 5 through 7, we see the historical examples of judgment and rebellion. Verses 8 uh, through 19, we have the false teachers uh, described. Also in verses uh, 20 to 23, exaltation to believers. So what we're going to be uh, looking at tonight, we're going to have different sections. I'm only going to go through verses 1 through about 3 to 4, and then what we're going to do is we're going to skip the middle section, and then what we're going to be going over is verses 20, 20 to 23. So here, the basic uh, at the beginning is that Jude is writing that we should contend for the faith. 
So contending for the faith is actually battling for it. So what we're going to be doing, then we're going to learn how to contend for the faith, and then we're going to be going, skipping over the middle section and then going into verses 20 to 23, which will be exaltation to the believers. How do you contend for the faith? What tools, what weapons are necessary in our Christian lives to be able to do battle for the Lord? And then in verses uh, 24 to 25, it is one of the most beautiful dexologies that have been written in Scripture. It is just a, a beautiful dexology, and we might just be able to uh, hit on that also. In Matthew 13, it clarifies that uh, James and Jude were brothers. In Matthew 13, 55, it is not the carpenter's son. Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Jose, Simon, and Judas? Both James and John, uh, excuse me, both James and Jude were unbelievers before the resurrection. And we see this in the Gospel of John in verses, uh, in chapter 7, verses 5. It states, for even his brothers did not believe in him. And then in Acts uh, 1.14, in the upper room, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with, with, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So that we could see that even Jesus' brothers were not true believers before Christ died on the cross. But when they were gathered up in the upper room, and Pastor Jim is on Wednesday night going through the book of Acts, and if you missed any teachings or you want more in-depth teachings, go back on the church's website and uh, you can look at that. But what happened, what occurred in Acts 1.14, up in the upper room, has just been outstanding where they have never been the same. It is a, an event that changed the lives and the trajectory of the whole world. We see that Jesus uh, had resurrected, he ascended, sin had been defeated, and the Holy Spirit was empowering the church for the work at hand. The church was on the move. It was just beginning to get its uh, feet wet into the world and waiting upon the Holy Spirit to move upon him. The event that, which, uh, that took place in the upper room it's still at work today. It saved my life. It saved your lives if you're a believing uh, in Jesus Christ here. It is still working. It is still working, saving lives and changing lives. It's still snagging uh, the souls out of the fires of hell. So here, this comes to mind. Uh, one of the things that, as reading through the book of uh, Jude, one of the things that when I was focusing on the word uh, contend, contend earnestly for the faith, uh, I don't know if you're old enough, but for the younger people, you guys could Google it or YouTube it. But this is what it is that I think that the book of Jude is all about, is rock'em, sock'em robots, okay? You remember this, that we would get up in a ring and you would go at it for hours with my, I have three brothers, I'm the oldest, well, actually, two brothers on the oldest. So the thing is, is that you would just go and you would, you would be fighting left and right. So the thing is, that's what the book of Jude is. It's a constant battle. Once we became Christians, we entered the battle. Before, before we became a Christian, we were like just 
like jellyfish, just floating on any old current, just taking us anywhere. But when we were saved, Jesus Christ gave us a purpose and he gave us uh, a vision for our lives. He completed us. And that's the thing that's so cool about Christ, that not only that he completes us, but he molds us and shapes us into vessels of honor and vessels that we can be used to bring him glory and honor into, into the world. So that's what, when I think about the book of uh, Jude, that's what I kind of like think about in my mind. So here we are, that we earnestly contend for the faith. So we're in a constant spiritual battle. So once we accept Christ, we, we change teams, okay? We are no longer team world, we are on team Jesus. And that's where the fight begins. So here we are. So as we dive into the book of Jude, let's go before the Lord and we'll pray one more time. Father, as we come before you, Lord, your word is so powerful, Lord. Your word gives us life. And Father, Lord God, it, it enables us, Lord, to continually to fight the good fight, Lord, to continually stay in a battle, Lord. And we just ask you, Lord God, that you are our anchor, Lord, we ask you, Father, that you would just help us to concentrate, help us to contend earnestly, Father, for the faith, for the hope that lies within us, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you haven't already, let's turn to uh, Jude uh, verse 1. There's only one chapter, so let's go to verse 1. Right away, Jude, he states that Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James to those who are called, sanctified, by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you all. We're going to look at three words. We're going to look at called, sanctified, and preserved. The three words have, nothing, have everything to do with Jesus and his love for us. It is humanly impossible for man to complete any of the, these words or to fulfill these words. I cannot call myself to salvation. I cannot sanctify myself, only the word of God, and I cannot preserve or keep my life. My life and my breath are in Jesus' hands. So everything that we have, once we, we, once we become Christians, we turn our whole lives over. Jesus called us. We accepted that free gift of grace. We come in, and then he starts, through the power of his word, he begins to sanctify us, to mold us and shape us, to mature us into the Christians that he would want us to be. And then not only that, he preserves us. There have been times that I'm sure that everybody could look on their lives and see the times where if it wasn't but God, if it wasn't a but God moment, we wouldn't be here. God has preserved our lives. And until God is finished with us, until we have ran the race to completion, we are, we are indispensable. We are, as long as we stay in his service and where God has placed us, he will continually protect us and lead us and guide us. In verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude states that he's a bondservant and a brother of James. James was uh, one of the leaders of the early church. He also was uh, the writer of the uh, the the epistle of James. 
which in reality makes him a half-brother of Jesus. By describing himself as a bondservant, we can see that Jude had a humility about him, that he wasn't all puffity and, and egotistical like, hey, you know who my brother is? My brother's James. You know what, dude? You know what, who my half-brother is? My half-brother is, is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But G- Jude comes and he humbles himself and he tells the whole world by introducing himself that he's a bondservant, that he's a slave to Jesus Christ. And I think that's a pretty cool description. As we look to, uh, he shows that he has a humbleness of heart. J. Vernon McGee, who uh, is just a a really neat uh, pastor that used to listen to on the radio a lot, uh, he says about uh, this little section, a servant of Jesus Christ is is a higher position and relationship than being a half-brother. So he says a servant of Jesus Christ is a higher position and relationship than being a half-brother. So here we have that it doesn't matter who your brother is, who your sister is, but the key of life is are we a bondservant to Jesus Christ? The Bible says that if we humble ourselves, that God will lift us up in his timing and in his ways. So here we have that <clears throat> those who are called, as we continue in verse 1, to those who are called, sanctified by God, the Father, the power in Jesus Christ. Let's look at the word called. Called are the ones who accepted uh, the gift of salvation. The called are believers in Christ Jesus. Those who responded to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the key. If here tonight, either you're here in the sanctuary in the overflow or listening online or watching online, If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not called. Accept the free gift. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it talks, it says, For grace you are you have been saved through the faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So as the Christians accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are called into the family of God. In Romans, it, believes, uh, it talks about that we cry, Abba, Father, we're adopted sons and daughters of Christ Jesus. Even if you have been discarded or you grew up in foster care or if you did not have a real good home relationship, if you accepted Jesus Christ, you have a family. Everyone sitting here that accepted Christ is your brother and sister. And I think that's so neat that I don't know if if I, I used to be a merchant marine and I got saved in my stint of being a merchant marine and what the Lord was able to bring me back to places where I went as a non-Christian and as a Christian. And as we went into different places, there were times where we were just, I was walking up into the city and one of uh, the Indonesian guys come up to me and we started uh, talking. And it turned out something in the back of my mind was like, there's something different about this guy. And it turned out that we were Christians. And right away we had a bond. We had uh, Jesus Christ 
unified us in the love of, of, of the blood of Christ. And so that would be so cool. So I don't know if any of, the, in any of that have happened to you in your walks or in your travels, but if uh, you do, it is, it's a really a neat thing to experience. Let's look at the word sanctified. Sanctified by God the Father, set apart for his use, set apart from this world. Christians are on a mission from the Lord, and we are to live worthy of the high calling that he has placed upon our new lives in Christ Jesus. Our high callings, our gifts and talents are to be utilized for the Lord, for his glory and his honor. There's only one reason why Jude is writing. He's warning to the believers of the ungodly men who have crept into the church and are perverting the grace of God. In Jude 1, the word sanctified is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in John 17. In John 17, it says, uh, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jude, sanctified by God and sanctify or sanctified is the same Greek word. And it's to be set apart for God. The Greek word is hagiol. I knew it, I practiced it and everything else, but it's Hagel Diso or something like that. But you could look it up and, and tell, you know, I mean, literate in three languages, English, Spanish, and computer. So I just find it amazing that God's word is so interconnected through, uh, through scripture. We had the same word that Jesus has used and, and uh, Jude is using the same word. To be sanctified is to be set apart, to be used for the master to be used for his glory and his honor. And it's such a, a blessing that, you know, in our lives, nobody really, you, you would really have to be just coming to church and not moving and, and not learning about God. But the thing is, is God, God wants to use us for his glory and his purpose. The next word that we're going to look at is preserved. We are kept in Jesus Christ. Christ himself is our protector. He is a great shepherd. He laid his life down for us while we were still sinners. In John 10, 11, it states, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So here in John 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I have known my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, and even I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So here we can see that Jesus Christ, he's the one that's protecting us as we go through our lives. He's the one that is shepherding us. We just sung the song, uh, uh, Psalm 23. It's, that song is just a beautiful description of what God does for us. That, and one of the books that is out there by Philip Keller is a, a pretty neat look, a, a, a shepherd's uh, look at Psalm 23. And it's, uh, it's a really a cool book. If you haven't read it, you should. So he will lead the 99 and pursue the lost sheep in order for them to return to the sheepfold. Mercy, let's go to verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Jude's greeting is kind of similar to Paul's. Paul's greeting is grace and peace, but Jude is wanting mercy, peace, and love 